prepare your ears for some weird candy. Weird candy. Weird candy. Weird candy. Hey, what's up, my fellow weirdos? Happy Tuesday to you. Uh, I hope the bubble of the work week isn't kicking you too hard. Uh, my name's Chris, and uh, we're going to take a, a a fairly weird journey today. It's I think it's going to be fun, um, but I do have a special surprise, uh, a very special guest host tonight, uh, my buddy Chuck. What's up, Chuck? How you doing, bud? You really make me feel more special than I am. I'm, I'm just here, and I don't really know what you need me to do. Well, what I need, oh, well, well, we'll get into that off mic. How's that sound? <laughs> Oh, my heck. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, you guys, uh, happy Halloween to you. Um, happy Halloween, yeah, John. Yeah, well, happy Halloween. I mean. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I guess with uh, that shit out of the way, uh, please, please be sure to visit the uh, Facebook page. It's Weird Candy Podcast on Facebook. And, uh, you know, drop us an email, man. If you got an idea for a uh, topic or anything like that, drop us an email. It's weirdcandypodcast at gmail.com. With all that shit out of the way, uh, what do you say, Chuck? Let's get weird, buddy. Horror movies are an absolute staple during October. Some people think that modern horror is the way to go, while others swear that the classics will never be beaten. Personally, I think that it's kind of a mix. James Wan is, in my opinion anyway, one of the best horror movie directors ever. At the same time, I consider John Carpenter to be phenomenal when it comes to relating an absolutely terrifying tale. No matter which side you take in this particular debate, there's no denying that when a movie says, based on a true story, it adds an entirely new level of creepiness. Uh, you guys might want to burn some sage or hold on tight to some protective crystals for this episode as, as we, we dive deep into the true story behind The Exorcist. During the 1940s, spiritualism was the in thing to be a part of. Uh, you, you definitely weren't going to get any nookie unless you were down to get spooky. You know what I'm saying? Huh? You see what I did there, buddy? Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a little different, isn't it? Low-hanging fruit? Yes. <laughs> well, you know, got to try. You know, sometimes you, you throw the pitch out and swing and a miss. All right. Uh, <laughs> there were hundreds of self-proclaimed psychics that, for a price, would happily channel a lost loved one so you could finally tell your dad that, hey, guess what? It's my life, and if I want to dance ballet, then damn it, I'm going to dance. And then he can come back with the whole, well, oh, as long as you live in your memory, if you follow my rules, shit. And, and then I can, like, spit the medium's face and, and storm out and go, just, like, piss on his, his grave. That'll... I'm, I'm getting carried away. Sorry, yeah, it's buddy. a little carried away there. It sounds like maybe some daddy issues or ballet issues. Or... Look, if I want to dance, I'm going to dance, Okay. <laughs> Nobody's trying to stop me from dancing, my friend. This is ballet thing. What, I can't dance ballet? No, if you wanted to, never mind. <laughs> Be a eunuch. <laughs> you. uh, anyway, the, move, the movement was so popular that at one point, a Nazi sympathizer named the Herr Schmidt... Dude, what the fuck? Oh, my name is Hasmit, and I, I'm such a small wiener that I really want to commit some genocide, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> oh my heck. Come on, dude. Nazis have small wieners. That's why they want to fucking kill people. Well, what's the story about Herr Schmidt? Uh, well, uh, well, okay, so what happened was uh, uh, Herr Schmidt had actually claimed that during a psychic vision, he saw that the Germans were going to win the war and the U.S. was going to collapse. In the process, he convinced a large group of people. I mean, psychics are really reliable, aren't they? Very much so. Dude. I've won the lottery like at least 16, 17 times. Like so much so, I don't even claim the money anymore. I know. Like, what do I need it for? You know what I'm saying? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> in the process, he convinced a large group of people to build a compound in Santa Monica, California, so that they would be prepared to take over in the aftermath. I mean, like, my God, dude, people are so fucking gullible. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, did I tell you that I recently found the uh, Fountain of Youth, and for the small price of $29,999, yeah, you can live forever. Just send me an email. Since I'm a friend of yours, can I get in on the ground floor? You know what? Just for you, buddy. Just for you. Just to slide right in on there. Hell yeah. You know you, know you can. You know, just for you. But uh, don't tell nobody. Oh. Uh, <laughs> no one was exempt from these con artists, which Harry Houdini found out firsthand. Houdini had an extremely tight bond with his mother. So when she died, he talked to a, quote, you know, psychic to try to connect with. Within the first few minutes, he knew that she was completely full of shit. So, uh, basically, he cut her fucking head off and sent it to her own mother. Wow, I didn't know Houdini did shit like that. I mean, if you want to send a message, we've all seen The Godfather. I mean, a yeah. horse head in the bed, or you just cut cut the person's fucking head off and send it to the mother. Like, you just, you know, like what's in the box? I guarantee you that uh, the siblings will not follow in her footsteps. Uh, okay, so 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 maybe he didn't take it quite that far, but he did dedicate the rest of his life to debunking anyone that was taking advantage of those folks that were greedy. Uh, which to me makes Harry Houdini pretty fucking awesome. I mean, that's I, just my opinion. I didn't know this about Houdini at all. I literally thought that he devoted his life to making you think that your card was the Ace of Spades when it was really the Eight of Diamonds. Oh shit. Dude, that makes so much sense. My card is always the Eight of Diamonds, and they always say Ace of Spades, and then I just go, oh, yeah. Like, it's so retarded. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. But anyway, <laughs> in a suburban area of Washington, D.C. called Mount Rainier, a family named the Hunklers lived a seemingly normal life. In some sources, the town that the Hunklers lived in is called Cottage City, Maryland. But, you know, most of the sources, they do say that they lived in Mount Rainier. So I think, you know, we're, we're just going to go with that. Uh, Edwin was a hardworking Catholic man. His wife, Odell Coppage, uh, was an evangelical Lutheran. While neither one of the hunklers were active in their churches, their faith was an active part of their everyday life. I do wonder this. Like, how is your faith an active part of your life? <laughs> you are not active in your church. I'm going to guess they didn't get too kinky, maybe. Maybe they just, yeah, I don't know. Or, or They didn't or, go to church, but they were... In or maybe they actively sought out homosexual couples and spit on them. Is that it, that's a pretty Christian thing to do? From what I understand. Sorry, guys, that might have been a little too far. Uh, <laughs> and scene. Uh, uh, in 1935, they had their only child, Ronald. By all accounts, Ronald was a fun-loving, kind young man. Since both of his parents worked a lot, the boy spent most of his time with his his grandmother, Anna. 
Granny Annie? You're right. That's exactly it. It's fucking Granny Annie. How'd you know? Have you met Granny Annie? Don't don't make me talk about it, please. See, every time we say that, uh, the the alarm goes off. Uh, (laughs) Ronald grew up in a quaint one-and-a-half-story home. Anytime that Granny Annie was either busy or unavailable for whatever reason, Ronald Donald McRonald Hunkler spent his time with his Aunt Tilly. The word around town was that Tilly, uh, which in a lot of sources she's also referred to as like Harriet or Dorothy, but we're going to call her Tilly. I don't know. This rolls off the tongue better. Was I'm, sorry, a, but, I'm, I'm sorry, but I really want to know, like, where does Tilly and Dorothy and Harriet, and Harriet where, where, where do those all intersect? Uh, uh, apparently, I, I think they intersect up your ass and to the left, buddy. Wow, this just got personal. <laughs> I thought we were talking about exorcist. According to sources around town, uh, Tilly was a practicing spiritualist, which, you know, if you look at the times, that w- would actually make a lot of sense. Um, according to the story, she taught Ronald to use a, an Ouija board at a young age and that this was one of the pair's favorite pastimes. Like they would spend all their fucking time together dicking around with this Ouija board. Uh, it's also said that the boy was fascinated with the uh, quote game, you know, and, and again, that comes down to depending on who you talk to, uh, whether the Ouija board is a game, you know, what do you think, Chuck? On whether or not the Ouija board is a game? No, whether him and Tilly were getting it on. Of course, whether the fucking Ouija board was a game. What do you mean? <laughs> well, it I mean, it seems like a game to me. There's actually some speculation, though, as to whether or not Ronald was sexually abused by either uh, Aunt Tilly or his grandmother. Like, can you fucking imagine uh, Granny Annie dropping her depends to give you a little education on caring for the elderly? <laughs> you know, you know nothing about the flow. I mean, Granny Annie drops her depends. I mean, you could have said Banny's. <laughs> Granny Annie. Granny Annie panties. Oh I my mean, come god! On. You're right. I'm not. A, I'm not a lyricist. I'm not a poet. Come on, Dr. Dre. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say Dr. Seuss. I would have liked that better. I know where the sidewalk ends. Up your ass and to the left. <laughs> uh, uh, given the events that were going to occur, my money is on Aunt Tilly playing a little uh, put the pickle in the roast beef, if you know what I mean. Huh? No, I don't really generally like pickles or roast beef. <laughs> oh, you're going to like both of them a lot less now. Glad I could put that image in your head, buddy. Uh, seriously, <laughs> there's absolutely zero evidence for abuse, but I, I wanted to add it in here just because, you know, uh, there are a lot of different accusations. Um, so people do say that that may have happened? Or they yeah, have- actually, like, you know, probably I would say I, I looked into about 13 or 14 different sources to, to do this story, and half of them made, made claims of sexual abuse. Hmm. So... You know, I was like, you know, uh, again, never proven. Nothing was ever, you know, proven out of it. But the fact that so many sources cite it, you know, I felt like, you know, well, we're going to add it in as maybe a possibility. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just felt like, you know, like just to leave it out is just not doing the story process. I mean, that's just me. Um, anyway, by the time Ronald was 12, Aunt uh, Hide the Pickle Tilly <laughs> passed away. <laughs> 
shortly after her passing, Ronnie started to use the board by himself, trying to contact his favorite aunt. After several of these, uh, quote, you know, sessions, the family started to experience a very strange series of happenings. And, and, and again, like, this shit is about to, uh, I don't know, you, you'll see. Uh, some of the earliest paranormal events reported came from Ronald Donald McDonald and uh, Granny Annie. They reported that they started to hear a dripping sound in the home, almost like there was a leak in a pipe, but they could never find any evidence of a leak anywhere in the home. Cooking sound? Yeah. You mean like like maybe the roast beef was covered in horseradish <laughs> sauce or something? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> something like that, buddy. <laughs> oh wow! I wonder uh, did did they check Granny Annie's panties? <laughs> Come on, you said it. You said it. You set that up. Uh, at different times, they would witness a painting of Jesus shaking violently. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. <laughs> Why did they have a picture of Jesus just shaking violently? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe somebody gave him a high five with a joy buzzer. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe it's more like, burn the strobe light off. Jesus is <laughs> out again. He's got you dick. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. We are just kidding, everyone. Uh, Oh my god, epilepsy is a serious disease. If you're anyone you know has been affected by epilepsy, you may be entitled to compensation. Call 1 800 get the fuck out of here. Uh, and, and again, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, make a joke of a very serious disease. Uh, it just seemed like the right time. So we, 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 we went for it, you know. Uh, sorry, guys. <laughs> My fault. I'm really sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to offend anybody out there. So. Oh, I think you fucking did, you dick. <laughs> Using a bit of level-headedness, Edwin assumed that the sounds and flying pictures were being caused by animals inside of the walls. An exterminator was hired and came and sprayed chemicals inside and outside of the home. Their calm was quickly destroyed, though, when shortly after the spraying... The noises not only got louder, but started to happen more frequently. On top of these noises and, you know, a, a pop, possible uh, Bible-throwing rat, <laughs> uh, uh, other strange things began to happen. According to the family, Ronald was sitting in a large stuffed chair, which, which uh, in my head, I'm picturing I'm like a, a Hamburglar beanbag from the 80s. <laughs> what the fuck is Ask your parents, Chuck. Ask your parents. Like, come on. Ronald McDonald had a fucking posse back in the day. You had a hamburger bean bag because <laughs> your family was too lazy to go buy you new stuff and they just stitched together <laughs> some old stuff. Well, I know this. Uh, Ronald McDonald had a posse back in the day, so we're going to go with that. Uh, when, when all of a sudden, the chair levitated into the air and flipped over, dumping the boy on the floor. Another instance was when Ronnie was sitting in a rocking chair uh, when the family claimed that it began to spin in circles like a top. Like, see, see, this is the shit I'm talking about. Apparently, every single person that experience, uh, experiences paranormal events is a thousand times fucking braver than I am. I mean, be, just think about it. Dude, I would have noped the fuck out of there so goddamn quick. Oh, my God, dude. Fuck that, dude. The first time he says a word in Latin or ancient Greek, or, some shit. or the first time that you know he's sitting in a chair and just randomly the motherfucker starts spinning like a and top and turns backwards, pukes and pea soup. Fuck it, right? Like, oh, this is weird. Oh, we're just gonna we're gonna see what happens. 
the fuck out of here. God, these people. Uh, as, as time went on, the activity would increase dramatically. On multiple occasions, they would all claim that they would be woke up in the middle of the night by the sound of heavy furniture being moved around Ronnie's room. They would enter into his bedroom, and the furniture would slide to a stop, and the boy would be tossing and turning in his sleep, screaming out obscenities. You know, in my mind, you know, with them all, you know, having come from like a religious background and shit, you know, he was probably like laying there saying shit like, you know, like, boo, boo, or like, caca, pee, pee, or something like, son of a whore, shit, biscuits, you know, (laughs) some of the more tame shit, some of the more tame stuff, you know what I'm saying, right? You know, stuff you don't mind saying in front of your mom. Exactly, in front of your grandma, you know, or, uh, you know, Granny Annie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at first, the Hunkler family contacted a doctor, but uh, they were told that whatever was going on was not a medical issue. So they reached out to a psychologist next and were, yet again, told that he could find nothing wrong with young Ronald. After consulting, uh, quote, other experts, and, and I'm not exactly sure who these folks were, but, uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Other experts. Who are the experts in this field? I have no fucking clue. All I said was after consulting other experts. Like, so you go to a doctor, you go to a psych- psychologist, and then you seek other experts? Like, who the fuck are the other experts? Uh, yeah. Gynecologist? <laughs> I don't know. Like, it doesn't, I just... Well, maybe this time. <laughs> Something else altogether. Oh, well, uh, apparently after reaching out to these folks and getting no answers, uh, the family reached out to their Lutheran church, but were told that they couldn't help the family. But the Lutheran church did refer them to a local Catholic priest that had had some experience in dealing with these types of situations. And I'm hoping that, that they don't mean choir boys. Reverend E. Albert Hughes from the St. James Catholic Church located in Mount Rainier, Maryland came to visit the Hunklers and investigate the claims that they had reported. He gave the family some blessed candles and a bottle of holy water and told them, you know, no take backs. And then he ran out of the home laughing. (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) Maybe he didn't say that. (laughs) Fuck y'all. Good luck. Good luck. All right, well, maybe he didn't say that, but he did leave the candles in the holy water. Uh, Not long after, he got a call from Odell. She claimed that an unseen force had picked up the bottle of holy water and smashed it against the wall, and that the flames on all of the candles had shot all the way up to the ceiling. Like, fuck this shit, right? And they're just like, oh, I'll just make a phone call. Get the (laughs) fuck out of here, dude. When Reverend Hughes went back to the home... He reportedly heard the boy say, in Latin, a language that Ronnie supposedly did not speak, Oh, priest of Christ, you know that I am the devil. Why do you keep bothering? And why, then, is it, why is it that the devil is Latin? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, being that he's as old as time itself, that, you know, when Latin came around, he was like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah. What about the ancient Sanskrit or oh, something? Oh, no, dude, Latin is the shit. Latin makes uh, you Jesus. It's my fucking Bro, 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 Latin's the shit, bro. You don't even know Latin. You don't even understand Latin, bro. Bro, bro, bro. So the devil devil is like, is like, he's like a fucking 19 year old frat boy. (laughs) Like, like, 
Kyle Prometheus the third. <laughs> That's exactly the note. You, you see, now you're fucking, now you're, now you're getting on board. Uh, when Reverend Hughes went back to the home, he reportedly, oh, I, we already did this. God damn it. Uh, and, and so after he hears the boy say, oh, priest of Christ, you know that I am the devil. Why do you keep bothering? Uh, Ronnie's mom bent over and mooned the priest. <laughs> Wait, no, no. Oh, shit. Sorry, but uh, I got the wrong browser tab open. Ah, shit, my bad. Sorry. Hold up. What, what do you have open over there? <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll check that out later. Just share a screen with me. We'll, 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 yeah, <laughs> we'll check it out later. We got this, buddy. Uh, anyway, <laughs> after hearing this, Hughes reached out to his superior, Washington Archbishop Patrick, Patrick A. O'Boyle, to request permission to perform an exorcism, which was ultimately granted by the church. In late February 1949, Ronald was, was admitted to Georgetown University Hospital, where Reverend Hughes began to or he began the process of committing a uh, exorcism. Committing an exorcism? <laughs> I don't know why I wrote it that way. God damn it, that's just how it's there. Uh, <laughs> the ride would ultimately be cut short, uh, literally, when Ronnie pulled a broken piece of bed spring out of the mattress and slashed the priest across his arm and shoulder area. Uh, now, this description, it differs depending on which account you read, but either way, like, he slashed him somewhere in the upper torso. Uh, uh, a few days uh, after the failed attempt, the family started to notice red, bloody whelps form on Ronnie's body, one of which spelled out the word Lewis. Okay, here, hey, Lewis, here's another <laughs> question. Okay, so the devil speaks in Latin, but writes on your body in English. Well, you know, it's one of these things where, like, uh, shut the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> the Hunklers took this as a sign that in order to save their son, they would have to go to St. Louis. I mean, sure, it makes sense to me. It could have been you any know? Louis. Louis could have been the guy down the street who runs the uh, Mexican grocery <laughs> or something. <laughs> you know, I gotta say, my bloody whelps always spill up teeth and beer, and uh, you know what? I always feel better afterwards. Just saying. My bloody whelp spell out. <laughs> like you go find a cow? <laughs> like a really, really sick cow? Like what's going on here? <laughs> Fortunately, the Hunklers had family in San Luis, so it, it, it wasn't overly hard for them to make the trip. In March of 1949, Edwin, Odell, and Ronnie arrived in St. Louis, Missouri, and almost immediately reached out to the church and explained all of the events that had taken place. They were, they were referred to a Jesuit priest at St. Louis University named Father Raymond Bishop. Father Bishop came to a, a brick home on Roanoke Drive on March 7, 1949, for the first time to pray with the family in an attempt to bless the boy. Now, uh, according to Father Bowdern's, uh, you know, his, his diary, which he's going to come into play here in a little bit. Uh, on March 9th, when Father Bishop entered into Ronnie's room, he saw the boy laying perfectly still, but somehow the entire bed was vibrating beneath him. After a brief prayer, Bishop flung some holy water across the bed, which caused it to stop, to stop shaking. But unfortunately, the boy began writhing in pain, and when his mother pulled the covers back, they witnessed several scratches form across his midsection. Now, supposedly, this was witnessed by six different people, including, eh, including, my God, including his mother, aunt, uncle, two cousins, and Father Bishop himself. I mean, now this shit is fucking crazy. Like, seriously, I would fucking hate to see whatever fucking insanity would actually scare these people. 
Like they're going through all this shit and they're just like, yeah, well, we're gonna write it out. It's golden in them heroes. Get the fuck out of here, man. Uh, after a couple of these sessions, um, you know, Reverend uh, Father Bishop enlisted the help of a Reverend William S. Bowden. And oh my God, I'm gonna fuck this up so many times. I want to call him Bowden, and uh, it's Bowdern, which fucking drives me crazy, dude. Uh, so anyway, uh, Reverend William S. Bowden and a Reverend Walter Halloran. On Friday, March 11th, 1949, Father Bishop Reverend Bowdern and Reverend Halloran were sitting with the family downstairs while Ronald was in his room asleep. At approximately 11 p.m., they heard the boy yell downstairs that he was awakened by a loud noise that sounded like something had been thrown against a mirror in his room. Upon inspecting the room, the holy men found a uh, relic of St. Margaret Mary that had previously been pinned to Ronnie's pillow uh, they, he, they discovered that that pin or that relic had been thrown across the room. As they were looking around, they saw a, a scratch start to form on Ronnie's arm in the shape of a cross. Uh, according, Here's yeah. another question. Why is the devil scratching out crosses? Right. Why is it not upside down? Why is he not scratching penises? I don't know, buddy. <laughs> I don't know why I went to penises, but it just seems lewd. And seems like it fits, like the devil. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, <laughs> according to the diary, the cross remained for roughly 45 minutes. And, and again, like, what the actual fuck? Like, these people are fucking insane, Chuck. Like, I'm out, dude. Nope, I'm noping the fuck out of there. Yeah, nope. Sorry, kid. Uh, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot of me, like, maybe a toddler vomiting and I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> like, these uh, people are literally in the presence of. Pure evil. Right. <laughs> right. Like, I'm, I'm like, I can't even think of toddler vomiting. Dude, I smell a dirty diaper and I'm fucking done. Like, <laughs> at this point, Reverend Bowdern read the novena prayer of St. Francis, Francis Xavier and then blessed the boy with a relic, which just so happened to be a piece of bone from the forearm of St. Francis Xavier himself. Like, sure, yeah, nothing fucking strange about that. Like, the bone the of Francis, Francis Xavier. Did you really just say Frank Sansis? <laughs> Happy Halloween, everybody. This is fucking great. <laughs> oh, Odell was laying in bed with Ronnie when she claims that Ronnie was dozing off. And the bottle of holy water was thrown from the nightstand and landed two feet outside of the bedroom. They also claimed to have witnessed a bookshelf move or bookcase, I'm sorry, move from alongside the bed, turn completely around to face the doorway. A stool that was at the dressing table across the room slid roughly two feet, hitting the foot of the bed. While laying in the bed on top of the pillow, the relic that was pinned underneath it somehow was thrown to the foot of the bed and the St. Margaret Mary relic was lost somewhere in the room. And they actually never found that. Um, did they really look? Because, I mean, it, it was probably like in like fucking Odell's pocket. She was like, ooh, this is nice. <laughs> I like it. I have a feeling that we're going to aura around it. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> this glow, saintly glow. Right, of yeah. course, yeah, why not? Uh, <laughs> uh, this this next series of events, it, it, it's a little hard to get through because they've redacted most of the names and locations and just about anything else that makes it fucking useful. But we're gonna give a hell anyway. You know, no pun intended, buddy. 
right? Give it hell. Huh? <laughs> Nobody? Just me? Just me? All right. I'll take it. <laughs> Later that night, after several spells of scratching and the bed vibrating, the priest, along with the family members, decided to ask some questions of the evil entity. Like, damn, like, like, you know you're good when you can get three holy men, like, Catholic fucking priests to participate in a fucking seance, dude. <laughs> like, you are fucking crushing life when you can do that. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> at one point, the questions turned to a certain amount of money that Aunt Tilly had hidden in a metal strong box before she died. Like, how funny would it be <laughs> if, it, if it had been that she had hidden, like, the money in a weak little, like, paper box? <laughs> no, a metal strong box. Right. But how much better would it be if it was, like, a, a an envelope? She hid it in a weak paper box, better known as an envelope. <laughs> Great, dude. In an envelope. In the pocket of the jeans in the closet. I don't know why. That shit cracked me up, dude. Uh... After many different questions, it seemed like a map leading to the weak paper box full of money would be found in someone's attic. Uh, again, the name's redacted, but only Edwin would be able to find it. They asked some other questions and got info, but there are so many fucking redactions that it, it, it seems a little silly, silly to even try to make sense of it. I mean, honestly, like, it's just like, so and so, blah, Atlantic, limp. Sure. It's like mad lips. Yeah, dude, it's it's terrible. So I mean, I just said to hell with it. We're just it gonna just move goes, past, you it know? just goes I noun verb. Right. <laughs> you just gotta fill in the blanks for yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, on Wednesday, March sixteenth, permission was granted by. Uh, now check out this title, dude. Most Reverend Archbishop Joseph E. Ritter. <laughs> Like how high is the, Damn, like, right? the most reverend archbishop? <laughs> I want to title like that. Like you, you, I tell you what. From now on, you can call me his most awesomest teller of weird stories, Chris, the baddest ass kicker Esquire. Yeah, I'm not sure that's the mistake. No, no, you're not supposed to pick your own. <laughs> you know, your own. I mean, I could live with it. I'm just saying, it sounds catchy to me. <laughs> Somebody else has to pick that. <laughs> Shit sounds catchy to me. Shut up. <laughs> anyway, Ritter said that Father Bowdern, 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 not Bowden, Bowdern, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, he's called like Reverend and sometimes he's called Father. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess it doesn't really make that much of a difference on the religious scale. I'm not sure the difference between Reverend and Father. But these stories go back and forth so much that I get I get I don't know we'll do, we'll just call him Father from now on. How's that? Uh, Father Father Bowdern could read the rites of exorcism according to the Roman ritual. Now Fathers Bowdern, Bishop, and Halloran arrived at the home on Roanoke Drive in St. Louis, Missouri, between ten fifteen and ten thirty p.m. Uh, on uh, yeah Wednesday, March sixteenth. Shortly after 10.30, Ronnie went up to go to sleep while his, while Father Bowdern went with him to, quote, help him examine his conscience and make to, make an act of contrition. I don't know, man. Isn't that when, like, you, like, bend your body in weird ways or something? He wants him to, like, bend his body and do weird things. <laughs> I think that's contortion, buddy. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> At this point, fathers uh, Bishop and Halloran, along with Edwin, Odell, and the boy's aunt and uncle, were called into the room to begin the ritual. With Bowdern standing, everyone else knelt beside the bed and began to pray. 
The lights were left on, and Ronnie kept his hands above the blankets in plain view of all present. I guess, you know, just kind of trying to prove that, like, hey. He wasn't masturbating. Know, he was underneath not, the cover. He <laughs> was, in fact, not masturbating underneath the uh, covers there, buddy. Uh, <laughs> as the father began to, the, the prayers, scratches began to appear on Ronnie's stomach, legs, thighs, back, chest, face, and throat. Like, fuck me, dude. This poor fucking kid, man. God, this shit sounds terrible. Uh, Ronnie claimed that some of the scratches felt like that of, uh, of a thorn being drug across his skin, while others felt like he was being branded. And and, and and then he said that the brandings hurt the worst. I'm sorry, but he knows how both of those things feel. I don't care, dude. I'll fucking bet the branding fucking pain felt worse than the thorn pain. Get the, yeah, you probably, you know, running out in the woods in the 40s. Dude, what the fuck else was he going to do? Play Nintendo? Get out of here. <laughs> Like, no, he's out in the woods and shit. He probably got scratched by a thorn or two. But, like, the branding. Maybe, maybe Edwin, you know, went into market territory. I don't know. Get out of here. Nobody knows. You don't know me. You're not my father. (laughs) In the diary, Father Bowdern writes that two of the more distinct marks were one on Ronnie's leg that looked like a devil and markings on his chest that spelled the word hell. The devil markings appeared blood red, and the arms were held above the head in a webbed manner that resembled a bat. And, and in my opinion, uh, apparently they should have just called Ozzy Osbourne. I mean, dude knows how to take care of a bat. <laughs> As he continued to pray, the letters G and O appeared alongside an arrow that pointed away from Ronnie's crotch. The priest all agreed that this meant, and I'm telling you, dude, I couldn't make this shit up if I tried, that the devil would leave by way of urination or ex- excrement. Okay. They, they <laughs> He's either going to piss they, or shit the devil out. Swear the devil would leave because there's a arrow pointing out of his jungle. Right. Saying, go. All right. Go this way, devil. That's right. Follow the path. Sometimes you just got to piss the devil out, buddy. <laughs> in the next phase Ronald described to the priest what was happening while he was possessed he claimed that he was fighting a huge red devil who felt slimy and was very powerful the devil was trying to prevent him from getting through the iron gates at the top of a pit that was about 200 feet deep and was very hot now to me like this all sounds a, a little too much like the typical description of the devil in hell like, you know, our 1990s death metal album cover. <laughs> yes, exactly. Magneth. <laughs> what up, Dave Mustang? Some slayers. <laughs> oh, my heck. Uh, Ronnie said that he wanted to fight the devil and that he knew that he was strong enough. He also claimed that there were many other smaller devils as well. As the night went on, he would go into fits like he was fighting someone that the others in the room couldn't see. During these bouts, it would take two full-grown men to hold him down. Anytime his arms would get free, he would punch one of the men uh, with what they would describe as unusual strength. From the 16th through the 20th, things were, you know, they were the same as almost every night. You know, uh, Ronnie would go to bed. Everyone would gather in his room where they would all start praying while Father Bowdern, Bowdern, not Bowden, fucking asshole, uh, started the rites of exorcism. And again, every night, he would appear to fight an unseen entity. At times, it would take three of the men in the room to hold him down, and and that didn't even always work. His face would contort into evil, almost demonic snarls. 
he would punch, kick, and bite at anyone close to him and would continuously spit on all of those in the room. I mean, now this is some seriously metal shit. Like we were just talking about, like seriously. Uh, it, it reminds me of some mosh pits I've been in. These are like, you know? <laughs> These are like the lyrics. Dude, I've been in some mosh pits that the shit sounds pretty familiar. Like maybe the kid was just moshing. He was probably can't really understand what they're saying. He was probably just jamming some sepulchre before they existed. <laughs> uh, by Monday, March 21st, everyone in the household was absolutely worn out. The priest, along with Edwin and Odell, decided that it would be best to find a place where they would have more assistance, both you know physically and spiritually. Father Bowden uh, contacted the Alexian brothers that ran the St. Alexius Hospital located on South Grand Boulevard in St. Louis, Missouri. The Alexian brothers were devout Jesuits, so not only did they have a, a private place for the exorcism in their hospital, uh, but they also had plenty of Jesus juice to add as ammunition. Jesus juice. <laughs> I know. I have a sense of humor of a 12 year old, dude. Uh, who, who couldn't use a little extra Jesus juice? You know what I'm saying? That's what the, that's what the Jesuits are all about. Jesus a little Jesus juice. Yeah. I hear you, buddy. Jesuit my pants. Nice. Uh, upon arriving at the hospital, Ronnie was put into a room with two beds so that his father could stay in the room with him. The first night, as they were preparing for bed, Father Bowdern, Bowdern, not Bowden, fuck, uh, <laughs> began the ritual, and Ronnie immediately went into a rage. At one point, while his eyes were closed, he lashed out and broke Father Halloran's nose and gave Father Rue, uh, yeah, some guy named Father Rue, a nosebleed as well. You know, Father Rue probably lives in like the 100 acres woods. <laughs> as pants. I don't know. As the fight went on, Ronnie began to quote, and this is a fucking direct quote from the diary, urinate copious amounts. <laughs> I don't know why that's so fucking hilarious to me. <laughs> Uh, he would later complain that it burned extremely bad whenever his body did this. Uh, it, it sounds like somebody needs to learn to wipe from front to back, am I right? <laughs> or maybe Antilles roast beef sandwich was, you know, maybe seasoned with some horseradish. <laughs> Here we go with the horseradish. See, horseradish is not good for you. I mean, it may taste good, but think about the after effects. You know, we all have to think about the, uh, you know, the, the turnaround. You know. <laughs> Uh, uh, he did this four or five times, uh, and, and then several times they heard, quote, and this is a direct fucking quote from the diary, and again, I couldn't make this up if I had to. Uh, they heard, quote, the passing of wind through the rectum. <laughs> Can't just say the dude was fucking cotton. No, no, dude was farting. Dude had mean, gas. No, no. He was passing wind through his rectum, Chuck. I'm sure it was more like a, like a, a spooky breeze. You know, followed thunder or something. And then like, I smell the devil. <laughs> oh my god, that is so terrible. Uh, as the night continued, he began to use abusive and dirty language. At one point, he claimed that he had met one of the fathers in hell in 1957. Now, remember, this is 1949 he's talking about. So apparently, like, he goes to hell, travels to the future with fucking Doc Brown and fucking, yeah. So, I don't know. Seems seems a little weird to me. Uh, he talked of his, okay, so now, this, this shit, this is where it kind of really, really starts getting, like, hard to 
to relate because uh, there's so much redacted. It's just fucking ridiculous. Uh, he talked of his, quote, blank, so round, so firm, with a red blank. Like, all I can think is, like, so far, like, red rocket. You know? It's like Madeline. At one point, he pulled the towel off of his groin and shook his body in a suggestive and shimmy fashion. Like, I mean, this is some pretty fucked up stuff, guys. Like, ah, man. On Friday, March 25th, Ronnie was restless and not getting very much sleep. After midnight, there were very short intervals of restlessness, but things kind of seemed to be like calming down. As the night gave way to the dawn, the priest decided that the earlier scratch mark that resembled an X had in fact meant 10, and since this was the 10th day, the fight was over and the exorcism had been a success. Right, exactly. Maybe he doesn't know his clothes name. <laughs> uh, later that day, Father Baudern went to the home blessed it, and Ronnie was allowed to join his family once again. Most of the next week was uneventful. Uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday all passed with nothing really happening, and it, and it really did appear that Ronnie was finally getting back to living a normal life. On Thursday, March 31st, things would take a bit of a strange turn. Uh, Ronnie complained that he was feeling ill and that his feet kept going from being ice cold to extremely hot. He then started drawing with his finger like he was trying to write a message. Uh, when asked what he was trying to write, he said, I will stay 10 days, but will return in four days. Like, you know, that's one of those things to me, bud, that that's pretty convenient that he didn't tell him this before he left the hospital. No, no, no. You know, but he, he waits till after, you know, like, okay, now that it's been 10 days and I, I got, it's been four days after the 10 days, like now I can make this shit up. Like, I don't know. To me, it just seems fucking suspicious, you know? Um, and then he says, if, and I, again, a quote from the goddamn redacted fucking diary, if blank stays gone to lunch. Like, <laughs> okay. And get BLTs? Like, what's happening here? Way <laughs> before email, this is like one of those email you know, returns, like you, when you go to Somebody lunch, was CC'd, is yeah, what you're saying? Right, right, right. <laughs> Like, you know, like, okay, I'm going to lunch. I need to now set it so that every time somebody tries to contact me, it says, going to lunch. <laughs> oh, he goes on to say, if you stay and become a Catholic, it will stay away. God will take it away four days after it has gone ten days. God is getting more powerful. I don't either, dude. It's just like, apparently he was possessed by Yoda. <laughs> Exercise me, you won't. Billy, you will. <laughs> Shit is so crazy. Uh, but that's what's written, you know? <laughs> uh, the writings went on, uh, during which, you know, most of the time he would refer to either a Pete or a Joe. Fucking damn it, Pete. It's always fucking Pete. Oh, she's a witch, claimed Pete. Oh, he stole my home, claimed Pete. Let's watch some cuckoo for AlienButts.com. Oh, no, wait, sorry, guys. Uh, that, that that wasn't Pete. That's my bad. Uh, damn it. I'm fucking browser. I'm telling you, if you're going to keep leaving these open on your browser, share your screen with me over here on my <laughs> I'm trying, buddy. Oh, damn it. Uh, when the priest asked for him to give, you know, a uh, quote, Nomen lingua latina 
which sounds like something you'd see on Cuckoo for AlienButts.com. What was that again? Uh, that is Cuckoo for AlienButts.com, buddy. Oh. What video am I looking for? Uh, Moment Lingua Latina. <laughs> uh, he would respond with, quote, I speak the language of the person. I will put in Ronald's mind when he makes up his mind that the priests are wrong about writing in English. Again, like fucking Yoda. Get the fuck out of here, dude. Wrong about <laughs> I will put in Ronald's mind when he makes up Ronald's mind. That the Ronald's mind and the priest's mind. Get the whatever, dude. Uh, another writing said, quote, I am the devil himself. You'll have to pray for a month in the Catholic Church. Ain't no wonder the fucking devil lost a god, dude. He sounds like a bad movie villain that like, gives away his master plan and like inadvertently tells the hero exactly how to be. It's the villain monologue. <laughs> you will like, never destroy you. <laughs> oh man, he even drew something that looked like a map with two thousand feet written on it. When asked, he said, "Yeah, this is what I got on the Ouija board." Did you? <laughs> Did you? He then drew a crude face with words uh, with the words "dead bishop" underneath it. On April first, with Ronnie's parents' approval, they decided to give him a Catholic baptism. On their way to the college church, Ronnie complained of that same like hot and then cold sensation in his feet. Out of nowhere, out of nowhere, he looked at his uncle that was driving and said, "So uh, you're going to baptize me? Ha ha! And you think you will drive me out with Holy Communion? Ha ha!" This is how it's written. I'm sorry, guys. That's just how it's written. It sounds so fucking generic. Uh, after this, Ronnie grabbed the steering uh, steering wheel and attempted to wreck the car. Uh, after one hell of a fight, they finally got into the church where there was an even harder fight to carry him inside. They carried him up to the third floor and placed him on a bed. There was little hope that the baptism could be administered at the baptismal font in the presence of the chosen sponsors. So Michael, uh, a workman that had assisted them on other nights, was chosen as proxy. Eventually, they were able to get through the full baptism, with Ronley finally being able to renounce Saint. On Saturday, April 2nd, Father Baudern called in Father Bishop and a Father O'Flaherty to assist in giving Ronnie his first official communion. On five different occasions, Father Baudern attempted to give Ronnie the wafer that is considered the body of Christ, and every time he would spit it out and begin choking. Finally, after two hours, many prayers, and an unimaginable amount of patience, Father O'Flaherty suggested that they pray the rosary in honor of Our Lady of Fatima, especially since it was the first Saturday of the month. It, it had, you know, larger importance. I apparently I didn't write it. I, I'm not familiar with. <laughs> after the prayer, Ronnie was able to swallow the wafer. Later in the day, he began having spells again. In one instance, he reached over with lightning speed and tore four pages out of the exorcism book. As they continued to pray, more scratches began to appear on his skin. The word appeared again as uh, yeah, fuck that up. Uh, as well as a large X and three question marks. The word go. Apologize. Well, well X, X now means nothing. Because X I thought <laughs> meant 10, right? Well, then meant 10, and now there's another X. Well, now it just means 10 again. Shut up. Good <laughs> morning. Uh, uh, Sunday, April 3rd, while eating dinner, Ronnie wrapped his leg around one of the legs of the table so tightly that it took three men to pull him loose. After getting back into his bedroom, Edwin called the priest, who rushed over as quickly as they could. 
No, like I picture them driving, like speeding down the road while one of them is like hanging out the window, making like siren. Wee hoo, wee hoo, wee Jesus, Jesus. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, you know. Here's what it is potato, tomato. <laughs> uh, the night was pretty similar to others, except that now Ronnie kept chanting over and over that one of his cousins' name. He kept chanting over and over one of his cousins' names, saying, "You will die tonight. You will die tonight." That creepy little fucker. Damn. Uh, with all of this, it was decided that Edwin Odell and fathers Bowdern, Bowdern, not Bowden, and Van Roo would take Ronnie back to Maryland to finish the exorcism. On April 4th, they boarded a train to make the trip. Uh, you know, the train ride was pretty uneventful, and, and the next few days would prove to be fairly calm. On April 7th, the priests resumed the exorcism. As they went on, more scratches appeared, one of which was an obvious number four. Was well, why? Because it wasn't, was it like, you know, he and... Well, maybe that's what it means when you, like, urinate copious amounts and you pass down... I don't understand. They, this they, they couldn't tell if X was X or 10, but this is definitely a... Four. Oh, they, they said, I swear to God, in the diary, it literally said it in obvious number four. That's exactly what they fucking said. <laughs> no um, way this X is anything else. X is definitely number four. <laughs> Uh, most of these, uh, most of the scratches and stuff, they resembled claw marks or a pitchfork. Uh, the weird thing is that most of the claw marks came in force. Like I said, like you just said, uh, you know, like what a fucking idiot. Everyone knows that demons always leave three claw marks. God, this kid was fucking this shit up all over the place. <laughs> over the next 11 days, the priest and Ronald Hunkler battled constantly against whatever had taken over the boy's soul. Finally, on April 18th, the battle reached its climax starting around 8 a.m. Ronnie woke up and immediately lashed out at the priest that was sitting beside his bed. At 8.15, a father, Widman, apparently a new guy, attempted to give him communion but found it impossible. After a while, he was actually able to make one spiritual communion. After that, he fell in, uh, Ronald fell into another spell and said that one devil was out but that there were nine more to go. These devils are definitely numbered fucking right. Oh my god, could you imagine? I already have one weakness, and you'll never figure out that it's cream cheese. Wait, oh damn you, priest! <laughs> oh my god. As the day turned into evening, the priest finally started to see a difference in Ronnie. At first, he would start to recite some of the prayers before falling into yet another fit, but as time went on, he was able to get further and further through. Eventually, he was even able, he was even able to say some of these in Latin, some of these prayers in Latin. So now he knows how to speak they Latin? Were, apparently, they're teaching him Latin, you know? It's not just a butt-grabbing glove, bud. Get out of here. Uh, <laughs> so he didn't know how to speak Latin when the devil was speaking for him, but now... Right, now he does. He, Yes. Yeah. And, and there were many, many points like in the diary where they talk about how they would demand that the, the, the demons make scratches in Latin and they would come through as just like just lines and shit, you know, almost like Ronnie didn't know how to speak Latin. And so like, he was like, devil, uh, X, you know, shit like that. Four, <laughs> four. four is Latin, four. <laughs> exactly, buddy. 
Around 10.45 p.m., while Ronnie lay calm and quiet, the priest continued to pray. When they claimed to hear a voice break into the prayer, saying, Satan, Satan, I am Saint Michael, and I command you, Satan, and the other evil spirits, to leave the body in the name of Dominus immediately. Now, now, now! And the Ghostbusters busted in and fucking zapped his ass. Oh, wait, that didn't happen. Sorry, guys. <laughs> At exact moment, Ronnie's body exploded in the most violent, painful way since the exorcism had begun on March 16th. After holding Ronnie down so that he wouldn't hurt himself for seven to eight minutes, I mean, and I don't know if you guys have ever, like, like wrestled or done anything like that, but, I mean, seven to eight minutes is a long fucking time to exert yourself. Uh, the boy's body felt limp, and in a tone of complete relief, he said, He's gone. He's gone. May I have another? No, he didn't say it. He said he's gone. Sorry. It sounded like a good Tiny Tim moment. You know? May, I have a biscuit? May I have some more? <laughs> sir, no Philip Wiles 54, sir. No? Just me? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Ronnie said that at that moment, he saw a brilliant white light, and standing inside of it, he saw a beautiful man with flowing, wavy hair that blew in a breeze. He wore a bright robe. Right robe? <laughs> white robe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe St. Maybe Michael spun him right around. I don't know. Like, you weren't there. You don't know me. You know my dad. Uh, he, he wore a white robe that looked like it was covered in scales. He watched as the angel commanded that the that all of the devils returned to the fiery pit from which I came. Be gone! The power of Christ compels you, son! <laughs> yeah, that fucking priest in Florida who would have loved this, dude. It's like, I can exercise a tree. God damn, I can exercise a boy. Oh man, boy, let's exercise you. Power of Christ compels you, boy! <laughs> oh my God. Uh, after this final night, Ronald Hunkler seemed to return to normal. Um, never again did anyone in his family report anything out of the ordinary. By all accounts, uh, Ronald went on to live a normal, happy life. Now, whether you personally believe in demonic possession or not, that, that's really up to you. I know plenty of people that have some very deep-seated religious views, and I know plenty of people that either aren't quite sure what to believe or plentifully think that the whole thing is just made up to make the human race feel a little less lost. One thing for sure is that when William Peter Blatty read about Ronald Hunkler, it inspired him to write what is arguably one of the most terrifying movies of all time. I do know that the more I research these stories, you know, instead of becoming more certain, I find myself less and less sure. Uh, like, for instance, the way that people always seem to describe these visions like they're pulling it straight out of a fucking comic book, it, it makes me kind of laugh to myself. But, like, when you hear of objects moving on their own or, or, like, scratches appearing seemingly without cause, that shit fucking makes me wonder. One thing that I do know for sure is that I will not be playing with the Ouija board this Halloween. Remember, guys, an open mind leads to an endless possibilities. And, and oh, my God. Join us next time for another piece of weird candy. Hope you guys enjoyed this super special Halloween edition. Happy Halloween to everybody.